welcome back to another episode of the Python People podcast, uh, the home for global technology and data leaders to share insights with the tech community. And uh, a warm welcome to this week's guest, Abed Ajral. Abed, uh, welcome. Thanks very much for being here with us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Gabe, for the invitation. Uh, very pleased to be here with you uh, and sharing my experience um, and my life in data. Um, so um, I will be very exciting to be with you for, for this podcast. Um, uh, do you want to give me a little bit background of my, me, about myself? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It'd be lovely to hear a bit more more from you because I think you, you know, as a as a data leader, I think you've got a very impressive career from what what I can see. You know, and a very interesting kind of portfolio of of different experiences by the looks of it. So you're you're currently the the head of data for Eon Next, uh, which is obviously a an exciting um, carbon neutral um, utilities and renewables company. Um, but prior to this, you were, you know, a professor, I think, of, of big data and data science. And you've also done your own entrepreneurial, um, you know, piece as well, founding your own company. So, yeah, it'd be fantastic to hear a bit more, you know, in your own words about your career. And, uh, yes, talk us through what, where did it all begin for you and your journey into, into tech and data? Sounds good. Um, yeah, I, I started in data very early in my career. Um, so I didn't do anything about any, anything else about data. <laughs> I did all my Cayenne data, basically. Um, so I started in, obviously, in France, where I had my engineer school, engineer diploma um, on computer science. So that was back in 2000, uh, when I get my, my diploma. Um, and after that, I, I run all my career in, in, in data, data warehousing, BI. Uh, so I started mostly my career 14 years in, in consulting space, so I did six years in, in architecture. But after that, I started to lead teams into businesses. So I did that in Europages, and after that, I moved in the UK. Um, it was for, for first utility, but has been bought by Shell Energy now um, for, for almost three years. And after that, also, as, as you mentioned, build my own entrepreneurial um, kind of, of product and wanted to build something new, something that would change the world. Um, so I did that. And after that, I started again to be lead uh, data into into different um, businesses. So now I'm leading the team at your next, as you mentioned. But it's not like I'm still professor. So I'm I'm accumulating my leadership role to also my um, kind of teacher role, um, and also um, now I'm also an advisor uh, on um, for data comp. So I'm also um, trying to. Um, help that I come to uh, build the certification side of the um, of in data. So try to help people to be certified in data um, and how we can do that. So in data scientists, data data analysts, and, and data engineering now. So um, yeah, I also love to to write articles and and spend times on my spare time to write something that I find I feel something that I need to to talk about um, something that probably frustrate me and something that. We need to probably to explain more something that I see completely something different, um, and also love to share my experience. So I did like like this podcast, but also some some conferences. So I try to do like three or four per year um, in different um, in different type of conferences to to do a, a sort of variety in during the year. Yeah, that's that's real for me. Yeah, superb. Thanks very much. It seems like you've got a real a real passion for for the for the space and you know clearly very involved in the community which is 
great and really resonates with with us because that's kind of exactly the way we we sort of approach things as well um so so yeah talk us through kind of early stages because i think it's always very interesting to hear how people like yourself sort of amass so much great experience in you know lots of different areas within data but was it always a, a foregone conclusion you were going to go into data you know kind of how did um how did you get into it in the first place i suppose yeah that's that's a good good question yeah i i fall on it because i found that it was the best way to use my technical skills to be honest uh when i look at my my other uh, uh students colleagues and they were like we were all geek and all on the computers all doing a lot of things and i felt like doing java coding or doing other things it was good but for me it was more like okay why a company will hire me for for doing what for doing a software for doing something yeah that's good that's cool but I want I want more. So I found in data something very interesting is that you can shape, you can help the business to to perform their strategy um, so at the strategy level. So you can look at the data, find something that no one saw before, and change things. Um, so that's why I found like data very, very, very powerful and something that um, that resonated in my in my in my from the start of Makai and still now, that data could change the vision. Um, and I, I love um, Hans Rosling, um, I think he passed away five years ago now. He said something very interesting about, about data. He said, the data, please you, take the data set to change your mindset. Um, and that's exactly that. Uh, we try to use the data to change a little bit how we think, how we do things, how we can optimize, how we can see the, the market differently and so that's that's because of data um and that's that's something that from the start resonated to me and say yeah that's something that probably i want to to go to because it will create even more value for for any business to explore the data and, and use the data um in different way to create um to, create a, uh, to shape the vision the vision for for this company yeah yeah it's a, it's a great point because you know when you, you think about data you know it's, it's a word we hear all day every day now isn't it and, and you kind of almost become a little bit blind to actually what it what it means but i think it's a really good point that you know data in itself um doesn't mean anything unless there's the actual implication of you know what what's the impact of that data to actually change something you know change a mindset or, or change a strategy or whatever it may be um so uh yeah i like that uh, i like that phrase a lot i'll uh, have to have to be borrowing that one um so so you've obviously used data in lots of different ways you know you've, you've taught it as a professor you've you kind of used it in your own um when you founded your own business and now obviously you know head of data for a, a leading um energy uh, tech business so what is it you're you're most passionate about in the world of data and um yeah i guess where do you kind of uh, derive your uh, your greatest fulfillment from the world of data yeah it's uh, it's a very good question because in data has been uh, has been a long journey also for me um to evolve in my in my leadership style and and also the way how i do things um, so it depends on, on the, I'm passionate with, with law of thing. I'm passionate about innovation, obviously, but I'm also passionate about, uh, to be efficient, how to set up the best team to, 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 yeah, to create this value, but also project and building, um, building 
data products um, that can change things, that can um, completely revolutionize the business, uh, and and yeah, and help for the strategy, but in in a different way and something that probably no one saw how how to do it, and and we bring the data to to build it and and to um, to make it happen. So I'm passionate about creating value, obviously, but also create the best team. Um, also about innovation and also about technology. Um, so yeah, I'm you know there's there's one no, there's nothing there's no one subject I'm passionate on. Is I'm very passionate about a lot of things, but it's also that's why I'm it makes it makes my life very busy because <laughs> I look at all things and I'm very very curious on some different way of doing things. So I love to talk with people who did something completely different than me and have a good chat on that and, and read the articles. And, and so just, just, just before this podcast, I read an article about um, Accor, who is um, a big brand, um, hospitality brand in France. And they, um, they, the, the, the chief data officer in Accor said that the best way we found to organize a, a data team is, is a hybrid way, like a data mesh kind of thing. It resonated to me because I already uh, this is what I've done uh, two years ago in in your next how we shape the team and how we do it and and two years we explore that and it works quite very well. Um, this kind of, of of way of communicate and, and and articles and and try to explain what we do is something um, I love because that that helps us to to go at the next next stage and and try to be every time efficient and and and. Yeah, try to not waste of time, not waste of of investment, and and try to give the most for the business and and a lot of value. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think you've uh, you've kind of stumbled across a kind of bit of a hot potato there in terms of the way companies go about structuring teams, and I think that's a really interesting point now because you know a lot of companies are obviously going on this journey with data, understanding how they best structure teams, and I think there's been this extra kind of variable thrown into play now with uh, the pandemic and you know people working more disparately and and you know cross location and, and remotely and that kind of thing and and i think a lot of companies are still really understanding here you know, what are the, the the best value structures for teams you know out there um so i'm really interested to hear and sam from your point of view actually what what's um i know it's probably been somewhat different in every scenario every company you've worked in in terms of how you probably structure the team based on the problem or the or the you know the company itself but do you have any kind of particular approaches or systems that you kind of revert to when it comes to building and and scaling data teams yeah that's that's a um that's a very good point in terms of of the way how businesses um, most of them and pretty big businesses uh, are shaping the data team and shaping the data data capabilities. Um, so basically, we have two kind of models that resonates most of the time is is the centralized model. So basically, the centralized model is is to is the, what they call in the past the um, um, we, we need to cut that in the in the editing. <laughs> I try to find my words now. Um, so it's the um, what we call a center, center of excellence, found the word. The, um, basically, it's, it's the center of excellence. And uh, how they call it is try to put every data people in one center of excellence, one big team, 
to deliver what the business needs. And that has been, I think, probably 15 years kind of concept. And it never worked very well. Never worked very, very well because it's quite um, very, by definition, on this kind of way of working, it's, it's very slow. It needs a lot of uh, trade-off in terms of priorities because so finance priorities will 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 be com um com will be a finance will be a competitor of of marketing and etc and and probably commercial and they all try to compete together to create okay what's the best value what what need to be done first and never never worked very well and after that businesses make 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 very 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 frustrated because they didn't, they didn't get what they need what they want. And after that, what's going on, the next generation has been decentralized. So let's decentralize the data team. So put in, in different areas, in different businesses, and everyone is doing what they want and, and what they need. So businesses are very happy in the business areas because they have what they need. Uh, they have their own capabilities and, and capacities in there. However, it doesn't work neither because it creates a lot of inefficiency. Why? Because uh, they they replicate what people are doing. One single version, single version of the truth of the data disappear because everyone do what they want. But after that, we have like probably five, six definition of what is a customer. Um, this is one example, but it creates frustration in terms of the in, in the globally uh, and and who is responsible for for the big KPIs? Who will build that? Um, it's also about um, the team themselves. You know, when you have like um, um, a leader that is mostly in the business leading data, data people, it's a proper skills. So they, most of them in, in, in this kind of high, in the kind of decentralized, they get very, very bored because they don't know how they will grow in the data and they don't have leaders most of the time that come from the data. So they don't know how, how to get, um, how how they view the care on that so all these kind of models never work to be honest um so that's why um it has been a reboot in, in your next how we do things and uh by the way your next is, is quite a, a very startup company so we start from scratch so i have the chance to build a team as i want there is no um there, there is no background there is nothing before that however we have Eon Group who look at us and Eon UK were different, very different. Um, so we build a hybrid model. What is means a hybrid model is more like uh, squads, um, so dedicated to the business. So we have squad in data community, I wouldn't say data team, I will explain the difference between the two. Um, squads align to business. That means they, they have a pool of, of resources, like in data mesh architecture, you have a pool of, of resources there that's completely dedicated to one area. It could be one product, it could be one things. In your next, we build that in business areas. So to make sure that they have all the priorities aligned to, to what, they, what they want. There is no um, competitiveness uh, bit with other squads. Um, so, and we also try to make sure that there is also a single version of the truth. Because the problem on, on the building different squad, you would say, oh, but that's that's an hybrid model. No, it's not, because that's a, sorry, decentralized model. That's not. The hybrid model is, is completely is different because 
every people on on the squad are also invited to go to the to the to the stand up for the other squad and all the leads are forced <laughs> they have to go to all the others all the stand up to make sure that they know what's going on to the in the other in the areas because we need also to make sure that the data is consistent and and we have one 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 uh, single version of the source so the hybrid model for me it gives much more um impulsion in in different areas so we we understand better we are much more close to the business rather than the it side and it, it gives also much more um accountability for the for the squads to get exactly what what needs to be done in this area and and shape directly the value in there and make sure that we are we are focusing on on the best headache of of this area so for me that was um yeah we started that um two years ago and and it works quite well we have um tweak a little bit the model sometimes in terms because the growth was was very 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 fast in your next we started with four people now we are 46 so um in two years and a half so that's was that's why we we changed a little bit the model we we yeah, we tweak a little bit sometimes um, in terms of, of the frequency of, of the meetings, for instance, to, to give more time for people to, to, to do things rather than in the meetings. So we have, yeah, we have uh, done a lot of um, kind of um, adjustment to make, to make sure that that will happen. And so far, it, it has proven that it works quite well. And we don't have uh, fires from the business and 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 I think they are very happy because we still continue to high and um, which is quite, um, yeah, proving that we still have the confidence for the business. Cool, great, yeah, that sounds really interesting actually. And I, I yeah, I agree, I definitely see the logic and the, the value in that sort of more hybrid model. Um, and I like the idea of the, of the kind of squads. Do you feel, so bearing in mind, you've gone from that sort of four to 46 headcount now, how do you feel that you, are you able to kind of replicate that model moving forward as you grow? You know, do you feel it works particularly well up to a certain size or certain headcount? And then at which point you actually you might need to morph into maybe a slightly different methodology or kind of how do you see the, the model evolving as you as you grow? Yeah, I think the the only risk I can see for this kind of model is, as I said, is to be siloed. That means going to the more decentralized way. So each silo, silo, each squad are becoming a silo and they are completely decentralized. That's the only risk I can see for this model. So as long as we put some, some rules in place, some, some, yes, some common things. So for instance, what I put in place is I said the leader of the squad has to be in the other standard. The standard we are doing half an hour. Uh, every every morning, so every morning we change per squad. So we, it's only once a week. Um, the, the 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 squad are sharing what they're doing and and where the card and and what's the problem they face, etc. Um, so it's not that heavy, but that means the squad the the standup needs to fit in half an hour. So if effectively that will be a problem if if the squad is is growing and. And it's becoming a big, big squad. Um, I'm fine for small squads. So if it's very big, I will probably like split in in different um, in different um, kind of um, groups and different kind of squads. 
the, the other things we put in place is also uh, peer review. So on the uh, so all the codes, all all, all the um, all the work is published in in in, uh, in a GitLab. So it's it's in on in on CI/CD kind of uh, deployment. We also every change need to be um, need to be peer reviewed. And the, the rules we put in place is peer reviews is common to any squad. So when a squad is publishing a, a developer in one squad, squad A publish something, another developer in squad B can peer review the code. But that's also help to um, not creating too much silo. Mm. Um, so that's that's the tips we put in place. But there there is also other if we're growing growing again very very rapidly, there will be all the things we can put in place. Um, um yeah maybe there will be some some other change we have to do but so far that's that's already enough we're also doing knowledge sharing every week so every week we are sharing the knowledge um and it's also um it could be technical it could be business so that's we invite every obviously every squad in there so we are inviting the data community so that I will try to explain what is between data community and the and data team. So we have some data people who are outside um, my leadership. So they are aligned to a business person. Right. But as I said, uh, I'm fine with it. Uh, I always uh, load that. But I'm always say my condition on this kind of setup. The first condition is that this person need to be included in data community. That means they are working in the same methodology. They are working in one squad, um, and they are working also uh, with the same ticketing and the same um, CI/CD uh, thing. So it's completely included to the squad and completely included to the work. And also doing uh, prioritization with the squad. That's my first condition. The second condition is that this person also need to grow in data. So that means it could be aligned um yakily to someone in the business however he need to have a mentor in data to make sure that he will also this person will grow um in data um so we have some of them who are um who are in that in in, in that situation so and, and we include them to the to the data community um that, that that's the setup so yeah, that's that's the tips we put in place, and I'm pretty sure that there will be others to tweak to do if we grow even more. Yeah, fantastic. I love the I love the idea of the knowledge sharing and and the kind of community, and I think that it's just a sign of a healthy business, to be honest. You know, and I think it it does help when there is that tendency as you do grow and scale to maybe become slightly more isolated and siloed. You know, if you do have that kind of almost organic knowledge sharing because you built it in at the foundational level of the culture of the of the department i think it's a sign of a very healthy business which you know is able to then kick on and, and scale and and uh, and grow but but clearly you know whatever you're doing to have gone from four to four to six people in the space of two and a half years it's obviously working right you know you're doing something something very well um and uh and yeah great great to sort of see it continue to grow um I suppose as a leader that's taken a, a division through that level of growth and that level of change, what's been the kind of biggest challenges you've encountered within that journey um, as a, as a data leader? And yeah, I guess how have you how have you overcome them? 
I think they, um, <laughs> it was not very specific, specific in data, but the, the most complicated um, things that I faced is more about the culture um, change uh, because Eon Next is, is, a, is a subsidiary of Eon and most of the hiring we have done, not most, half of it, I would say, come from Eon. And the problem is that if, even people who are being hired from externally, um, the culture fit also was some, something probably, um, I would say not difficult, but a challenge. Um, the thing is that um, because I, I come from also a very entrepreneurial way of doing things, and that's why the, the culture shift we have put in place is that every people need to be uh, completely um, accountable for their work. So as we said about the COVID situation, everyone is working from home. And, and that was, for me, very positive for the way of working because we can't, we, we can't anymore having the looks to pay a manager just to sit there, just to watch people and just to doing admin tasks or et cetera. That's not what I think. Um, and for me, a manager, a leader need to be much more, um, much more um, accountable and much more coaching the team rather than ask them and make sure that they are, they are sitting in the desk and counting the hours. That's for me a nonsense. Um, for me, the team, the culture that we put in place um, in your next is um, the trust is there and people are completely owning the subject and they need to deliver on their subject. Um, no one will ask them where they will have been between three and, and four. That's not relevant. People will ask them where we are in the subject and, and why we are slow and, and how we can help them to make that faster. Um, that's that's exactly what we're doing every day. Um, and sometimes we have some challenge in terms of delivery, et cetera, and, and we, we, we communicate in terms of, okay, what's going on and how we can help to make it better. And putting that in place, you can see that um, people are, will, are starting to be very, very relaxed on the work, and they, they are themselves how I put also in place is that um, I already explained to the team that I'm not a dictator. I'm not here to impose my view. Uh, the team is your team. It's not my team. So the data community need to work on, we are 46 now. And I said, we have 46 brain. That's fantastic. And all the brands need to work. So that means every time we change things, we want to improve something, I always push some 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 things we need to improve and ask them okay what did you suggest what 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 we can do to do that and it's so fantastic because after that people are starting to be much more responsive much more uh, accountable for for the team and and for 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 the life of of the of the community and that's so powerful um to have that in place and but we still have um some people who think that, oh, oh, if Abed want to talk with me, I'm in trouble because the manager, the top guy won't want to speak with me. And every time they were surprised because when I talk with them, it's, it's something very positive. It's more about what, how we can do things and, and things. I always ask suggestions and try to put them in the situation where in, in, in the office, we need to be as we are outside the office, we are adults. 
So uh, when you are at home and when you are doing things, you 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 commit yourself for for a lot of money. You you are doing your own suggestion. You 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 are doing a lot of actions. Why not in the office? Why are you asking the top guy to do actions for you and and to and you just have to execute? That's not that, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and the team have seen that, and after that is so powerful because they were much more much more accountable, much more relaxed, and they own the subject and and they're doing as as they want. If they, if you want to work in the evening or you want to do, to work early morning, that's you. That's you life. Um, and do it how you want to do it, and and the most comfortable you want to be. Um, as long as you understand what we try to achieve and what the value you need to create and and let's do it so the culture shift has been has been difficult um in terms of putting that in place show them because saying it is not enough it's more like putting in action and i love to lead by example and pushing them in this situation made them happen so it took like yeah several months to make the machine working like that um and uh but it's, it's so powerful so powerful uh, for that when you see a team like that it's just just amazing yeah i love that Abid. i think that's so important and it's amazing actually how just hearing you speak there just there's a huge amount of synergy i think between the cultures of both businesses um you know true north is a as, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more with everything you've just said there. And I think for any any business to truly kick on and be successful, there has to have that foundational level of of trust, right? It's got it's got to be there. And I think especially in this day and age that we live in now, companies are very much falling into two categories: people that you know they actually trust their people and believe that they're they're there, you know, working, and then there's those that don't. And I think you know since COVID and since you know we've kind of had the the remote working and you know now certain companies are sort of moving back so well actually we kind of want you back in five days a week you know i think there's companies that have the higher levels of trust are the ones that are really going to go on and, and achieve certain things and uh and recruitment as well yeah i guess it's a huge amount of similarity in terms of um you know of tech and data well i guess it's just management as a whole but you know i've worked in both a very micromanaged environment and and a not so micromanaged environment and I, I know which one I thrive in and I know which one I'm happier in. Um and when I started True North as a business, it was very important to me, you know, the actual the mission of the company, as cheesy as it sounds, is yes, we're a we're a tech and data recruitment company, but the mission of the business is how can we help people be happy at work? Because I I firmly believe that happy people, like you said, are are the ones that that truly will take accountability for the problem, you know, they'll, they'll deliver because they are relaxed and because they're happy and because they're feeling, you know, like they're, they're well treated and valued, they'll deliver on a level of creativity that you just don't get in a micromanaged environment. Um, and, and I genuinely believe, you know, that you, you actually get a, an exponentially greater result, um, you know, from you say that person actually using their, their brain in a creative way, because they feel like they are actually valued. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's that's music music to my ears, and and it's really interesting to understand actually. I guess like you say, half of the people that maybe come from an Eon, um, more of a, a bigger kind of well well known brand of, of corporate kind of structure, um, into this kind of culture, which I guess is very pioneering, is very very leading. Um, yeah. you know, I can imagine that's probably quite a whilst also recruiting externally as well. Must be quite a big challenge to 
get that unifying culture um you know within it but uh but fair play to you for for for, for doing it and uh and getting there so uh okay cool i like i like to sort of um draw to a close with with a question around um you know the kind of trends you know we're, we're living in a an exponentially uh, evolving world that is data science and you know it's one of the most exciting fields of tech that i've i've recruited in, in throughout my career just because it's so interesting of how quickly things are moving and uh you know evolving so what what as a as a, a data leader what what do you feel are the most exciting areas of of data at the moment and some of the kind of exciting trends that you know uh that, that, that yeah you're excited by I think there, there is a um, lot of trends um, now, um, and with the powerful, we, we, we have seen that, obviously, uh, all of us, uh, we have seen ChatGPT in action, um, everyone had tried it, uh, it was, it is fantastic, the power of AI, how we can do that, and how we can, we can leverage a um, lot of, um, lot of, lot of actions, and a lot of uh thing so even even in data science in data we are even in our team in, in your next we are using ChatGPT very very extensively like you know just just to help us to to kick off something um even for peer reviews even for 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 debugging everything so it's, it's so powerful it's not 100 accurate that's it but i think for me ChatGPT has kicked up something very interesting is that also um the business in the business area now they understand probably where we are in ai and, and what we can do, um, because it has been a bit difficulties um, during the past years in terms of um, what uh, AI can do for the business and, and how we can kick off. So, um, so that's why I used to say, let's be proactive, let's, let's understand the problem, and after that, be proactive and, and give the business what we can do, et cetera, and demonstrate what, what the capacity we can, we can cover. But now I think with ChatGPT, I think they did they did this work for me uh, because now people understand how wow how we can how AI can help in in the day to day life, and also what what we can discover in in, in AI. I think that's that's uh, something very interesting um, that that happens in the world. I think it will not stop; it will continue. It will be amazing the next two, two three, five years. Um, it will be even even much more. Um, much more impressive. Um, I think for in the term of data, in terms of, of what we can use um, things, I think there is a lot of trends already kick off on this kind of thing. We have um, low-code uh, kind of, of tools now uh, that I think with adding much more better capacity in AI, it will do like even better. Um, we have some some great ideas in terms of we've we've coupled with ChatGPT anyway. So when we have some questions, uh, when people wanted to have some KPIs right now during a meeting, just ask by voice and you should have an answer, uh, like an, an Alexa for 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 the exec. Uh, that could that is completely achievable now, mm -hmm. and so that's why the, the the idea of of adding much more innovation. In, in a day-to-day -day work would be would be fascinating in the next two three years mm -hmm. um and i can't wait for that to be honest um because there will be like a lot of different products different tools to build um and um yeah i think it's um there is a lot of innovation coming yeah yeah i totally totally agree uh, and i think it's uh 
what you've raised there is uh, sort of the application of, of the new AI tools like ChatGPT. I think people will kind of fall into two almost like mindsets or attitudes around it with those that kind of embrace what it is and actually how it can genuinely add value and, and help. And, and there'll be those that are, are kind of still met with a huge amount of kind of fear and reticence over their own, you know, kind of careers and their own value and, and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, my, my other half's a teacher um, and, you know, she's when I was trying to explain what chat GPT is, you know, I can just sort of <laughs> slowly see her mind melting at like, well, how, how are we going to test kids now moving forward? And obviously there's been all of these, uh, you know, examples of people that have used it for kind of, you know, not original thought necessarily, but, but I think fundamentally, you know, it's a, it's a watershed moment in AI and, and it's not like this is going to go anywhere. And, you know, I was listening to a really good radio article, uh, radio um, episode today with a, a lady who was quite high up in one of the examining boards. And she was sort of saying, well, look, we've got to realize that, you know, chat GPT isn't breaking the system. You know, chat GPT is the system now. And, you know, we have to learn how to embrace this and how to work with it. And, you know, and we need to evolve our, practices and processes to understand what is intelligence and what is knowledge is it actually that useful for somebody to be able to sit there and write three hours worth of you know information down or actually is it being able to use the tools we have in a more smart and effective way and, and i think uh what you've you've raised there of you know the kind of like the amazon for execs you know i think it's uh yeah like i said we're scratching the surface of kind of where this is and where it can go but i i like you um extremely interested to see how the next sort of two three four five years is going to go because i think it's just going to let's say exponentially continue to evolve and um yeah very very exciting times indeed um cool okay well absolutely fascinating chat i would really enjoy speaking to you so thanks very much for uh, sharing all of your uh your wisdom and uh, many pearls uh, today that I've definitely taken away from the uh, the conversation. So I like to end every episode, as, as I'm sure everybody knows by now, um, by asking for your one favourite piece of advice. If you've got one sort of piece of advice that you take through your life with you that, um, you know, you like to pass on to your fellow human um, or computer uh, in this instance, it could be. Uh, what would that what would that be? I think it will be embrace embrace the change and don't fear don't fear for the future don't fear about um you you your comfort zone to be honest i always it's, it's easy to say not easy to do i know um but embracing change embracing new things try it and fail fast that's something everyone should have in their in, in their mind so um and people used to say like yeah but that works um but Yes, that could work, but what could be better? And try try new things. Try try to see if it, if if it could be better, or try to to evolve and, and do something different. Um, and there is nothing there is nothing about uh, be fair or failing. I think the only worry is to not not evolve and not trying. Um, so that's why my that's my last comment. Yeah. Um, be be courageous and and yeah move away from the comfort zone and try try different things and and test it and learn it and and after that you can write a good article now we'd be happy to read it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah i think a fail fast um advice is is fantastic and and i think it's something that, that works in every walk of life really it's just having the brave you know 
being brave enough to actually just reframe failure and look at it not necessarily as as failure you know it's, you only fail if you give up right otherwise it's feedback you know and you keep keep moving forward um irrespective of your failures i think that's uh um yeah a, a winning mindset a winning attitude in in any walk of life and one, one of my favorite um quotes is a chinese proverb that says obstacles do not block the path but they are the path you know and that's the thing if you can kind of reframe that in your mind of every time something goes wrong don't look at it like oh this is just stopping me getting from where i want to get to it's like well it's all part of the journey of ultimately what i've got to learn to get to the point i need to get to so totally agree with that i think that's a fantastic piece of uh, advice and uh, a great way to end the episode so i guess all uh, all that remains for me is to say thank you very much again for coming on been a fantastic guest really enjoyed the the, the chat and uh, yeah i'll keep my eyes very close on uh, eon next and your uh, your continued uh, growth and, and domination in the in the data world i'm, I'm sure thank you Guy, for that thank you Guy, for your for your invitation very no worries at all. Lovely to meet you. Take care. Thank you. Computer. Okay, cool. All right, we're sitting comfortably. Yeah. Good. All right, let's uh, get into them. Cool. So welcome back to another episode of the Python People podcast, uh, the home for global technology and data leaders to share insights with the tech community. And uh, a warm welcome to this week's guest, Abed Ajral. Abed, uh, welcome. Thanks very much for being here with us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Gabe, for the invitation. Uh, very pleased to be here with you uh, and sharing my experience um, and my life in data. Um, so um, I will be very exciting to be with you for, for this podcast. Um, uh, do you want to give me a little background of my, me, about myself? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It'd be lovely to hear a bit more more from you because I think you, you know, as a as a data leader, I think you've got a very impressive career from what what I can see. You know, and a very interesting kind of portfolio of of different experiences by the looks of it. So you're you're currently the the head of data for Eon Next, uh, which is obviously a an exciting um, carbon neutral um, utilities and renewables company. Um, but prior to this, you were, you know, a professor, I think, of, of big data and data science. And you've also done your own entrepreneurial, um, you know, piece as well, founding your own company. So, yeah, it'd be fantastic to hear a bit more, you know, in your own words about your career. And uh, yes, yeah, talk us through what, where did it all begin for you and your journey into into tech and data? Sounds good. Um, yeah, I, I started in data very early in my career. Um, so I didn't do anything about any, anything else about data. <laughs> I did all my Kayan data, basically. Um, so I started in, obviously, in France, where I had my engineer school, engineer diploma um, on computer science. So that was back in 2000, uh, when I get my, my diploma. Um, and after that, I, I run all my Kayan in, in, in data, data warehousing, BI. Uh, so I started mostly my career 14 years in, in consulting space, so I did six years in, in action chair. But after that, I started to lead teams into businesses. So I did that in Yellow Pages, and after that, I moved in the UK. Um, it was for, for first utility, but has been bought by Shell Energy now um, for, for almost three years. And after that, also, as, as you mentioned, build my own entrepreneurial um, kind of, of product and wanted to build something new, something that would change the world. Um, so I did that, and after that, I started again to be lead uh, data into into different um, businesses. So now I'm leading the team at your next as you mentioned, but it's not like I'm still professor. So I'm I'm accumulating 
my leadership role to also my um, kind of teacher role. Um, and also um, now I'm also an advisor uh, on um, for Datacomp. So I'm also um, trying to um, help Datacomp to uh, build the certification side of the um, of in data. So try to help people to be certified in data um, and how we can do that. So in data scientists, data, data analysts and, and data engineering now. So um, yeah, I also love to, to write articles and, and I spend time on my spare time to write something that I, find, I feel is something that I need to, to talk about, um, something that probably frustrates me and something that we need to probably to explain more, something that I see completely something different. Um, and also love to share my experience. So I did like, like this podcast, but also some, some conferences. So I try to do like three or four per year um, in different um, in different type of conferences to, to do a, a sort of variety in during the year. Yeah, that's that's real for me. Yeah, superb. Thanks very much. It seems like you've got a real a real passion for for the for the space and you know clearly very involved in the community, which is great and really resonates with with us because that's kind of exactly the way we we sort of approach things as well. Um so so yeah, talk us through the kind of early stages because I think it's always very interesting to hear how people like yourself sort of amass so much great experience in, you know, lots of different areas within data. But was it always a, a foregone conclusion you were going to go into data? You know, kind of how did um, how did you get into it in the first place? I suppose. Yeah, that's that's a good good question. Yeah, I I fall on it because I found that it was the best way to use my technical skills. To be honest, uh, when I look at my my other uh, uh, students, colleagues, and they were like, we were all geek and all on the computers, all doing a lot of things. And I felt like doing Java coding or doing a lot of things, it was good. But for me, it was more like, okay, why a company will hire me for, for doing what? For doing a software, for doing something? Yeah, that's good. That's cool. But I want, I want more. So I found in data something very interesting is that you can shape, you can help the business to, to perform their strategy um, so at the strategy level. So you can look at the data, find something that no one saw before and change things. Um, so that's why I found like data very, very, very powerful and something that, um, that resulted in my, in my, in my from the start of my career and still now, that data could change the vision um, and I, I love um, Hans Rosling. Um, I think he passed away five years ago now. He said something very interesting about, about data. He said, the data, please you take the data set to change your mindset. Um, and that's exactly that. Uh, we try to use the data to change a little bit how we think, how we do things, how we can optimize, how we can see the, the market differently. And so that's that's because of data. Um, and that's that's something that from the start resonated to me and say, yeah, that's something that probably I want to to go to because it will create even more value for, for any business to explore the data and, and use the data um, in different way to create um, to create a, uh, to shape the vision, the vision for, for this company. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great point because you know when you you think about data, you know it's it's a word we hear all day, every day now, isn't it? And, and you kind of almost become a little bit blind to actually what it what it means. But I think it's a really good point that you know data in itself 
um, doesn't mean anything unless there's the actual implication of, you know, what, what's the impact of that data to actually change something, you know, change mindset or, or change a strategy or whatever it may be. Um, so, uh, yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that phrase a lot. I have to have to be borrowing that one. Um, so, so you've obviously used data in lots of different ways. You know, you've, you've taught it as a professor. You've, you've kind of used it in your own um, when you founded your own business and now obviously, you know, head of data for a, a leading um, energy uh, tech business. So what is it you're you're most passionate about in the world of data? And um, yeah, I guess where do you kind of uh, derive your uh, your greatest fulfillment from the world of data? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a very good question because in data has been uh, has been a long journey also for me um, to evolve in my in my leadership style and and also the way how I do things. Um, so it depends on on. The, I'm passionate with with law thing. I'm passionate about innovation, obviously, but I'm also passionate about uh, to be efficient. How to set up the best team to 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 yeah to create this value, but also project and building. Um, building data products um, that can change things that can um, completely revolutionize the business uh, and and yeah and help for the strategy but in, in a different way and something that probably no one saw how how to do it and and we bring the data to to build it and and to um, to make it happen so I'm passionate about creating value obviously but also create best team um, also about innovation and also about technology. Um, so yeah, I'm you know there's there's one no, there's nothing there's no one subject I'm passionate on. Is I'm very passionate about law thing, but it's also that's why I'm it makes it makes my life very busy because <laughs> I look at all things and I'm very very curious on some different way of doing things. So I love to talk with people who did something completely different than me and have a good chat on that and, and read the articles. And, and so just, just, just before this podcast, I read an article about um, Accor, who is um, a big brand, um, hospitality brand in France. And they, um, they, the, the, the chief data officer in Accor said that the best way we found to organize a, a data team is, is a hybrid way, like a data mesh kind of thing. It resonated to me because I already uh, this is what I've done uh, two years ago in in the next how we shape the team and how we do it and and two years we explore that and it works quite very well. Um, this kind of, of of way of communicate and, and and articles and and try to explain what we do is something um, I love because that that helps us to to go at the next next stage and and try to be every time efficient and 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 yeah try to not waste of time not waste of of investment and, and try to give the most for the business and and a lot of value yeah yeah 100 percent. i think you've uh you've kind of stumbled across a kind of bit of a hot potato there in terms of the way companies go about structuring teams and i think that's a really interesting point now because you know a lot of companies are obviously going on this journey with data understanding how they best structure teams and i think there's been this extra kind of variable thrown into play now with uh, the pandemic and, you know, people working more disparately and, and you know, cross location and, and remotely and that kind of thing. And 
And I think a lot of companies are still really understanding here. Okay, what are the, the, the best value structures for teams, you know, out there. Um, so I'm really interested to hear and Sam, from your point of view, actually, what, what's, um, I know it's probably been somewhat different in every scenario, every company you've worked in, in terms of how you probably structured the team based on the problem or the, or the, you know, the company itself, but do you have any kind of particular approaches or systems that you kind of revert to when it comes to building and, and scaling data teams? Yeah, that's, that's a, um, that's a very good point in terms of, of the way how businesses, um, most of them and probably big businesses uh, are shaping the data team and shaping the data, data capabilities. Um, so basically we have two kind of models that resonate most of the time is, is the centralized model. So basically the centralized model is, is to is the, what they call in the past the um um we need, we need to cover that in the in the editing. <laughs> I try to find my words now. Um so it's the um what we call a center center of excellence. Find the word. The uh, basically it's, it's the center of excellence and uh how they call it is try to put every data people in one center of excellence, one big team. To deliver what the business needs and that has been i think probably 15 years kind of concept and it never worked very well never worked very, very well because it's quite um very by definition on this kind of way of working it's, it's very slow it needs a lot of uh trade-off in terms of priorities because so finance priorities will 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 be um comp will be a finance will be a competitor of of marketing and etc and and probably commercial and they all try to compete together to create okay what's the best value what what need to be done first mm -hmm. and never never worked very well and after that businesses make 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 very 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 frustrated because they didn't, they didn't get what they need what they want. And after that, what's going on, the next generation has been decentralized. So let's decentralize the data team. So put in, in different areas, in different businesses, and everyone is doing what they want and, and what they need. So businesses are very happy in the business areas because they have what they need. Uh, they have their own capabilities and, and capacities in there. However, it doesn't work neither because it creates a lot of inefficiency. Why? Because uh, they they replicate what people are doing. One single version, single version of the truth of the data disappear because everyone do what they want. So after that, we have like probably five, six definition of what is a customer. Um, this is one example, but it creates frustration in terms of the in, in the globally uh, and and who is responsible for for the big KPIs. Who will build that? Um, it's also about um, the team themselves. You know, when you have like um, um, a leader that is mostly in the business leading data, data people, it's a proper skills. So they, most of them in, in, in this kind of high, in the kind of decentralized, they get very, very bored because they don't know how they will grow in the data and they don't have leaders most of the time that come from the data. So they don't know how, how to get, um, how how they view the car on that so all these kind of models never work to be honest um so that's why um it has been a reboot in, in your next how we do things and uh, 
by the way, Eonex is, is quite a, a very startup company. So we start from scratch. So I have the chance to build a team as I want. There is no, um, there, there is no background. There is nothing before that. However, we have Eon Group who look at us and Eon UK were different, very different. Um, so we build a hybrid model. What is mid hybrid model is more like uh, squads, um, so dedicated to the business. So we have squad in data community. I will not say data team. I will explain the difference between the two. Um, squads align to business. That means they, they have a pool of, of resources, like in data mesh architecture, you have a pool of, of resources there that's completely dedicated to one area. It could be one product, it could be one things. In your next, we build that in business areas. So to make sure that they have all the priorities aligned to, to what, they, what they want. There is no um, competitiveness uh, bit with other squads. Um, so, and we also try to make sure that there is also a single version of the truth. Because the problem on, on the building different squad, you would say, oh, that's that's an hybrid model. No, it's not, because that's, a, sorry, decentralized model. That's not, the hybrid model is, is, completely, is different because every people on, on the squad are also invited to go to the, to the, to the stand-up for the other squad, and all the leads are forced. <laughs> they have to go to all the other all the stand-up to make sure that they know what's going on to the, in the other in the areas, because we need also to make sure that the data is consistent and, and we have one, one, one uh, single version of the truth. So the hybrid model for me, it gives much more um, impulsion in, in different areas. So we, we understand better. We are much more close to the business rather than the IT side. And it, it gives also much more um, accountability for the, for the squads to get exactly what, what needs to be done in this area and, and shape directly the value in there and make sure that we are, we are focusing on, on the best headache of, of this area. So for me, that was, um, yeah, we started that um, two years ago and, and it works quite well. We have um, tweaked a little bit the model sometimes in terms because the growth was, was very, 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 very fast in your next. We started with four people. Now we are 46. So um, in two years and a half. So that's why, that's why we, we changed a little bit the model. We, we, yeah, we tweak a little bit sometimes um, in terms of, of the frequency of, of the meetings, for instance, to, to give more time for people to, to, to do things rather than in the meetings. So we have, yeah, we have uh, done a lot of um, kind of um, adjustment to make, to make sure that that will happen. And so far, it has proven that it works quite well. And we don't have uh, fires from the business, and 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 I think they are very happy because we still continue to hire, and um, which is quite um, yeah, proving that we still have the confidence for the business. Cool, great, yeah, that sounds really interesting, actually. And I, I yeah, I agree. I definitely see the logic and the the value in that sort of more hybrid model, um, and I like the idea of the of the kind of squads. Do you feel so? Bearing in mind you've gone from that sort of four to 46 headcount now how do you feel that you are you able to kind of replicate that model moving forward as you grow you know do you feel it works particularly well up to a certain size or certain headcount and then at which point you actually you might need to 
morph into maybe a slightly different methodology or kind of how do you see the the model evolving as you as you grow yeah i think that the only risk i can see for this kind of model is as i said is to be siloed that means going to the more decentralized way so each silo side each squad are becoming a silo and they are completely decentralized that's the only risk I can see for this model. So as long as we put some some rules in place, some some yes, some common things. So for instance, what I put in place is I said the leader of the squad has to be in the other standard. The standard we are doing half an hour uh, every every morning. So every morning we change per squad. So we, it's only once a week. Um, the, the 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 squad are sharing. What they're doing and, and where are the card and, and what's the problem they face, etc. Um, so it's not that heavy, but that means the squad, the, the stand-up needs to fit in half an hour. So if effectively that will be a problem if, if the squad is, is growing and, and is becoming a, a big, big squad. Um, I'm fine for small squads. So if it's very big, I will probably like split in in different um in different um kind of um groups and different kind of squads the, the other things we put in place is also uh peer review so on the uh so all the codes all all, all the um all the work is published in 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 a, in a gitlab so it's it's in on in on ci cd kind of uh deployment we also every change need to be um need to be peer reviewed and the, the rules we put in place is peer reviews is common to any squad. So when a squad is publishing a, a developer in one squad, squad A published something, another developer in squad B can peer review the code. So that's also help to um, not creating too much silo. Mm. Um, so that's that's the tips we put in place, but there, there is also other if we're growing growing again very very rapidly there will be other things we can put in place um um yeah maybe there will be some some other change we have to do but so far that's that's already enough we're also doing knowledge sharing every week so every week we are sharing the knowledge um and it's also um it could be technical it could be business so that's we invite every obviously every squad in there. So we are inviting the data community. So that I will try to explain what is between the data community and the and data team. So we have some data people who are outside um, my leadership. So they are aligned to a business person. Right. But as I said, that uh, I'm fine with it. Uh, I always uh, load that. But I'm always say my condition on this kind of setup. The first condition is that this person need to be included in data community. That means they are working in the same methodology. They are working in one squad, um, and they are working also uh, with the same ticketing and the same um, CI/CD uh, thing. So it's completely included to the squad and completely to the work, and also doing uh, prioritization with the squad. That's my first condition. The second condition is that this person also need to grow in data. So that means it could be aligned um, yearly to someone in the business. However, he need to have a mentor in data to make sure that he will also this person will grow um, in data 
Um, so we have some of them who are um, who are in that in in, in that situation. So um, and we include them to the to the, to the data community. Um, that, that that's the setup. So yeah, that's that's the tips we put in place, and I'm pretty sure that there will be others to tweak to do if we grow even more. Yeah, fantastic. I love the I love the idea of the knowledge sharing and in, in the kind of community. And I think that it's just a sign of a healthy business, to be honest, you know, and I think it, it does help when there is that tendency as you do grow and scale to maybe become slightly more isolated and siloed. You know, if you do have that kind of almost organic knowledge sharing because you built it in at the foundational level of the culture of the of the department, I think it's a sign of a very healthy business, which, you know, is able to then kick on and, and scale and and uh, and grow but but clearly you know whatever you're doing to have gone from four to four to six people in the space of two and a half years it's obviously working right you know you're doing something something very well um and uh and yeah great great to sort of see it continue to grow um i suppose as a leader that's taken a, a division through that level of growth and that level of change what's been the kind of biggest challenges you've encountered within that journey um, as a, as a data leader, and yeah, I guess how have you have you overcome them? I think the um, <laughs> it was not very specific specific in data, but the the most complicated um, things that I've faced is more about the culture um, change uh, because. Eon Next is is a is a subsidiary of Eon, and most of the hiring we have done, not most, half of it, I would say, come from Eon. And the problem is that if, even people who are being hired from externally, um, the culture fit also was some something probably, um, I would say, not difficult but a challenge. Um, the thing is that. Um, because I, I come from also a very entrepreneurial way of doing things, and that's why the, the culture shift we have put in place is that every people need to be uh, completely um, accountable for their work. So, as we said about the COVID situation, everyone is working from home, and and that was for me very positive for the way of working because we can't we we can't anymore having the looks to pay a manager just to sit there just to watch people and just to doing admin tasks or etc that's not what i think um, and for me a manager a leader need to be much more um much more um accountable and much more coaching the team rather than ask them and make sure that they are they are sitting in the desk and counting the hours that's for me a nonsense um, for me, the team, the culture that we put in place um, in your next is um, the trust is there and people are completely owning the subject and they need to deliver on their subject. Um, no one will ask them where they will have been between three and, and four. That's not relevant. People will ask them where we are in the subject and, and why we are slow and, and how we can help them to make that faster. Um, that's that's exactly what we're doing every day, um, and sometimes we have some challenge in terms of delivery, etc. And and we 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 communicate in terms of okay, what's going on and how we can help to make it better. And putting that in place, you can see that um, people are will, are starting to be very very relaxed on the work, and they they are themselves 
how I put also in place is that um, I already explained to the team that I'm not a dictator. I'm not here to impose my view. Uh, the team is your team. It's not my team. So the data community need to work on, we are 46 now. And I said, we have 46 brain. That's fantastic. And all the brands need to work. So that means every time we change things, we want to improve something. I always push some, some, some things we need to improve and ask them, okay, what did you suggest? What, what, what we can do to do that? And it's so fantastic because after that, people are starting to be much more responsive, much more uh, accountable for, for the team and, and for, for, for the life of, of, the, of the community. And that's so powerful um, to have that in place. And, but we still have um, some people who think that, oh, oh, if Abed wants to talk with me, I'm in trouble because the manager, the top guy, won't want to speak with me. And every time they were surprised because when I talk with them, it's, it's something very positive. It's more about what, how we can do things and, and things. I always ask suggestions and try to put them in the situation where in, in, in the office, we need to be, as we are outside the office, we are adults. So uh, when you are at home and when you are doing things, you, 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 you commit yourself for, for a lot of money, you, you are doing your own suggestion, you, you, you are doing a lot of actions. Why not in the office? Why are you asking the top guy to do actions for you and, and, to, and you just have to execute? That's not, that, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, and the team have seen that and after that is so powerful because they were much more, much more accountable, much more relaxed and they own the subject and, and they're doing as, as they want. If, they, if you want to work in the evening or you want to, do, to work early in the morning, that's you, that's you life. Um, and do it how you want to do it and, and the most comfortable you want to be. Um, as long as you understand what we try to achieve and what the value you need to create and, and let's do it. So the culture shift has been, has been difficult um, in terms of putting that in place, show them, because saying it is not enough. It's more like putting in action. And I love to lead by example and pushing them in this situation, make them happen. So it took like, yeah, several months to make the machine working like that. Um, and uh, but it's, it's so powerful. So powerful uh, so that when you see a team like that, it's just, just amazing. Yeah, I love that, Abed. I think that's so important and it's amazing actually how just hearing you speak there just there's a huge amount of synergy i think between the cultures of both businesses um you know true north is a as i mean I, I couldn't agree more with everything you've just said there and i think for any any business to truly kick on and be successful there has to have that foundational level of of trust right it's got it's got to be there and i think especially in this day and age that we live in now companies are very much falling into two categories people that you know they actually trust their people and believe that they're they're there, you know, working, and then there's those that don't. And I think, you know, since COVID and since, you know, we've kind of had the, the remote working and, you know, now certain companies are sort of moving back. So, well, actually, we kind of want you back in five days a week. You know, I think those companies that have the higher levels of trust are the ones that are really going to go on and, and achieve certain things and, uh, and recruitment as well. Yeah, I guess it's a huge amount of similarity in terms of, um, you know, of tech and data. Well, I guess it's just management as a whole, but 
you know, I've worked in both a very micromanaged environment and a, a not so micromanaged environment. And I, I know which one I thrive in and I know which one I'm happier in. Um, and when I started True North as a business, it was very important to me, you know, the actual the mission of the company, as cheesy as it sounds, is yes, we're a, we're a tech and data recruitment company, but the mission of the business is how can we help people be happy at work? Because I I firmly believe that happy people, like you said, are, are the ones that, that truly will take accountability for the problem. You know, they'll they'll deliver because they are relaxed and because they're happy and because they're feeling, you know, like they're they're well treated and valued, they'll deliver on a level of creativity that you just don't get in a micromanaged environment. Um and and I genuinely believe, you know, that you you actually get a an exponentially greater result, um, you know, from you say that person actually using their their brain in a creative way because they feel like they are actually valued. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's that's music music to my ears, and and it's really interesting to understand actually. I guess like you say, half of the people that maybe come from an Eon, um, more of a, a bigger kind of well well known brand of, of corporate kind of structure, um, into this kind of culture, which I guess is very pioneering, is very, very leading. Um, you know, I can imagine that's probably quite a, whilst also recruiting externally as well, must be quite a big challenge to get that unifying culture, um, you know, within it, but, uh, but fair play to you for, 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 for doing it and, uh, and getting there. So, uh, okay, cool. I like, I like to sort of, um, draw to a close with, with a question around, um, you know, the kind of trends, you know, we're, we're living in a, an exponentially uh, evolving world that is data science and you know it's one of the most exciting fields of tech that i've i've recruited in, in throughout my career just because it's so interesting of how quickly things are moving and uh you know evolving so what what as a as a, a data leader what what do you feel are the most exciting areas of of data at the moment and some of the kind of exciting trends that you know uh that, that, that yeah you're excited by I think there, there is a um, lot of trends um, now, um, and with the powerful, we we, we have seen that obviously uh, all of us uh, we have seen ChatGPT in action. Um, everyone had tried it. Uh, it was it is fantastic. The power of AI, how we can do that, and how we can we can leverage a um, lot of um, lot of lot of actions and a lot of uh thing so even even in data science in data we are even in our team in, in your next we are using ChatGPT very very extensively like you know just just to help us to to kick off something um even for peer reviews even for 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 debugging everything so it's, it's so powerful it's not one percent accurate that's it but i think for me ChatGPT has kicked up something very interesting is that also um the business in the business area now they understand probably where we are in ai and and what we can do, um, because it has been a bit difficulties um, during the past years in terms of um, what uh, AI can do for the business and, and how we can kick off. So um, so that's why I used to say let's be proactive, let's let's understand the problem, and after that be proactive and, and give the business what we can do, etc., and demonstrate what what the capacity we can we can cover. But now I think with ChatGPT, I think they did they did this work for me uh, because now people understand how wow how we can how AI can help in in the day to day life, and also what what we can discover in in, in AI. I think that's that's uh, something very interesting um, that that happens in the world. I think it will not stop; it will continue. 
it would be amazing the next uh, two, three, five years. Um, it would have been even even much more um, much more impressive. Um, I think for in the term of data, in term of of what we can use um, things, I think there is a lot of trends already kick off on this kind of thing. We have um, low code uh, kind of of tools now uh, that I think with adding much more better capacity in AI, it will do like even better. Um, we have some some great ideas in terms of with with couple of ChatGPT anyway. So when we have some questions, uh, when people wanted to have some KPIs right now during a meeting, just ask by voice, and you should have an answer, uh, like an, an Alexa for 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 the exec. Uh, that could that is completely achievable now, mm. and so that's why the, the the idea of of adding much more innovation. In in a day to day work would be would be fascinating in the next two three years, mm -hmm. um, and I can't wait for that to be honest um, because there will be like a lot of different products, different tools to build, um, and um, yeah, I think it's um, there is a lot of innovation coming. Yeah, yeah, I totally totally agree, uh, and I think it's uh, what you've raised there is a, a sort of the application of of the new AI tools like ChatGPT. I think people will kind of fall into two almost like mindsets or attitudes around it with those that kind of embrace what it is and actually how it can genuinely add value and, and help. And, and there'll be those that are, are kind of still met with a huge amount of kind of fear and reticence over their own, you know, kind of careers and their own value and, and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, my, my other half's a teacher um, and, you know, she's when I was trying to explain what chat GPT is, you know, I can just sort of <laughs> slowly see her mind melting at like, well, how, how are we going to test kids now moving forward? And obviously there's been all of these, uh, you know, examples of people that have used it for kind of, you know, not original thought necessarily, but, but I think fundamentally, you know, it's a, it's a watershed moment in AI and, and it's not like this is going to go anywhere. And, you know, I was listening to a really good radio article, uh, radio um, episode of the day with a, a lady who was quite high up in one of the examining boards. And she was sort of saying, well, look, we've got to realize that, you know, chat GPT isn't breaking the system. You know, chat GPT is the system now. And, you know, we have to learn how to embrace this and how to work with it. And, you know, and we need to evolve our, practices and processes to understand what is intelligence and what is knowledge is it actually that useful for somebody to be able to sit there and write three hours worth of you know information down or actually is it being able to use the tools we have in a more smart and effective way and, and i think uh what you've you've raised there of you know the kind of like the amazon for execs you know i think it's uh yeah let's like say we're scratching the surface of kind of where this is and where it can go but i i like you um extremely interested to see how the next sort of two three four five years is going to go because i think it's just going to let's say exponentially continue to evolve and um yeah very very exciting times indeed um cool okay well absolutely fascinating chat i would really enjoy speaking to you so thanks very much for uh, sharing all of your uh your wisdom and uh, many pearls uh, today that I've definitely taken away from the uh, the conversation. So I like to end every episode, as, as I'm sure everybody knows by now, um, by asking for your one favourite piece of advice. If you've got one sort of piece of advice that you take through life with you that um, you know you like to pass on to your fellow human um, or computer, uh, in this instance it could be, uh, what would that what would that be? 
think it will be embrace embrace the change and don't fear don't fear for the future don't fear about um you you your comfort zone to be honest i always it's, it's easy to say not easy to do i know um but embracing change embracing new things try it and fail fast that's something everyone should have in their in, in their mind so um and people used to say like yeah but that works um but yes that could work but what could be better and try try new things try try to see if it, if, if it could be better or try to to evolve and, and do something different um and there is nothing there's nothing about uh be fair or failing i think the only worry is to not not evolve and not trying um so that's why my that's my last comment yeah um be be courageous and and yeah move away from the comfort zone and try try different things and and test it and learn it and and after that you can write a good article and i would be happy to read it <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah i think a fail fast um advice is is fantastic and and i think it's something that, that works in every walk of life really it's just having the brave you know, being brave enough to actually just reframe failure and look at it not necessarily as as failure you know it's, you only fail if you give up right otherwise it's feedback you know and you keep keep moving forward um irrespective of your failures i think that's a um yeah a, a winning mindset a winning attitude in in any walk of life and one, one of my favorite um quotes is a chinese proverb that says obstacles do not block the path but they are the path you know and that's the thing if you can kind of reframe that in your mind of every time something goes wrong don't look at it like oh this is just stopping me getting from where i want to get to it's like well it's all part of the journey of ultimately what i've got to learn to get to the point i need to get to so totally agree with that i think that's a fantastic piece of uh, advice and uh, a great way to end the episode so i guess all uh, all that remains for me is to say thank you very much again for coming on been a fantastic guest really enjoyed the the, the chat and uh, yeah i'll keep my eyes very close on uh, Eon next and your uh, your continued uh, growth and, and domination in the in the data world. I'm I'm sure. Thank you, Gabe, for that. Thank you, Gabe, for your for your invitation. Very no, pleased. it's tough.